love being here. Um, I haven't spoken up here since uh, December. Uh, two weeks ago, we had Dave Short share last week. Pastor Phil and Vicki Epperson shared. It was awesome. Um, but as long as God's got me here, uh, I, am, I, I honestly feel really at home with you guys and being up here. And I love it. I love it. <laughs> All the first-time guests are like, this guy, this place, whatever. So um, I, I, I got to say this because I love you guys. I love this atmosphere, that the, the culture that's been created here at Second Place. You guys are a big part of that. Um, it's, it's huge. And um, it keeps me coming back every week. Uh, on the back of your news and events, there's a, te- a couple of teams that I wanted to highlight to you guys today as we kick off this year. Um, it's our second place leadership team, kind of our formal leadership team. It is the elder team and the trustee team. The elder team is um, a group, they're, they're all listed on the back, uh, both the trustees and the elders. And our elder team is really cool. We met last night. Um, they're, they're super special to me because they have a heart and, and a desire and a vision to kind of be, um, carry the mantle of spiritual direction and health for second place. So it's not something that, that Sarah and I carry on our own. But we um, partner with them, and we pray for you guys. They pray for you guys. They're available to you guys to pray to pray with or to ask questions about. Some of you know them by name. Some of you wouldn't know them if you saw them. Maybe we'll do little, like, little yearbook pictures on the back of the news events one time, and then you'll know who they are. But um, So that's, that's the elder team. The trustee team you might be a little bit more familiar with. Um, they've been up on stage before. Um, Danielle, who speaks once in a while, she is a trustee. Um, they are more so... They're, they're carrying the responsibility of making sure that Second Place has the proper facilities and finances um, managed properly so that we can do what we feel called to do. And so they're an awesome team. I got to tell you, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made um, practically on a daily basis around here. And um, this, uh, there's just a lot of things that happen from finances to facilities and everything in between. And I am so thankful for them because if you only knew the elder team and the trustee team and how God has brought them together, the, the unique personalities and talents and gifts that they have, is just a really special thing to me, especially as we go into the next 10 years and looking at what God is going to do. There's a lot of decisions that we have to make, and um, we are just really blessed to have such good leadership on that. Um, really, it's all spiritual, but, um, but really there's a focus for those trustees and uh, it's really cool to be doing that together with them. So definitely high-five them. Hopefully you can do that in the near future. Um, I, I wonder if I could just kick off um, this, this uh, talk today about this. Have you ever been in a public place where somebody makes a scene? So like most of my, most of my kids despise going to any store with me. Because there really isn't any person that I've met that's a stranger. So it's just like, hey, if they're wearing a name tag, they obviously would like to be called by name, right? So it's like, hey, Ryan, how's it going today? And then we have like this whole conversation. Caleb and I were in um, Walmart, you know, little plug for Walmart since they're struggling um, to make money. The, um, so we're in Walmart and I was trying to buy, I was like a Lego thing or something I was trying to buy. And I couldn't figure it out because Legos are so expensive. You know, it's like the little package is like $50. So there was this worker that was like, like in the aisle and she's like, Hey, what are you looking for? I was like, I'm trying to find a Lego thing. It's 
doesn't cost me a hundred bucks. And so I was like looking for like this kind of a thing. I think I was looking for a house or something. And she was like, so we just started like talking and hanging out. And she's like, so what's it for? So all of a sudden I had like this personal buyer assistance with a Walmart employee, which was pretty special. They should like look into that. And so like for about 10 minutes, she's like, well, how about this one? Eh, I don't know. That's not quite what I was thinking. Well, what are you trying to do? And we like had this whole conversation and I don't know, Caleb was, was cool with it. And uh, we left friends. Um, don't remember her name because it was a while ago. All right. So have you ever been there? Like when somebody maybe a little bit more um, crazy makes a scene where uh, you're embarrassed by it? Or maybe let me just take it to another level. Like, have you ever been in a place where somebody makes a scene, embarrasses you in some way, shape, or form, and you're with that person? And you're just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I am not with that guy, you know? Like, literally, the kids, when I, Sarah and I will play Marco Polo in big stores because we don't know where each other's at, you know? Have you ever done that? You know, we also have a code Call, we, we yell DiGiorno, and that helps us know where we're at, because no one yells DiGiorno in the store, except for me. But, you know, the kids are just like, yeah, I'm not with that guy. Is that what you do? I wonder, like, we all have different ways to process this. Some of you are, I don't know, Valerie, you're laughing because you're that person. I don't know. But anyway, how about this? Another thing that's on my mind, since we're talking. Um, you ever, like, wonder how, like, two people could have the complete opposite opinion about the same issue? You know? Like, impeachment, for an example, right? Like, oh, sorry to get political. But, right, there's, like, two complete, like, same issue, completely 180 degrees, like, difference of opinion on what's going on. And, and like, wherever you fall on that, the, the, the thing is, is, like, it's completely different. And, and that's, that's just... How many of you, it's like, that's really frustrating when people don't agree with you, right? Is that, you guys are getting quiet all of a sudden. How about this? Did anybody make eggs this week for breakfast? All right, good job. How many of you guys used a hammer to uh, crack open your egg? Anybody? Anybody? Good job, Lee. I, I expect nothing less. But why don't you use a hammer to open an egg? It's too aggressive. I mean, but a hammer is used for breaking things, you know but not an egg. And I think that's a third thing for me today, is like this idea of using the wrong thing for the wrong thing. So what do you do when somebody creates a scene? How is it that people disagree on such big issues? And you know what? Like, why do people use the wrong thing for the wrong thing, you know? We're, we're moving into, if you haven't felt it, I'm going to just, I'm going to highlight it for you. We're moving into kind of a season of prayer and fasting. Um, two weeks ago, Dave kicked it off with a talk about the Holy Spirit and about how prayer can help defeat the enemy. Last week, Pastor Phil and Vicki talked about why pray and how to defeat worry in our life. And, and I wanted to do this kind of like a, a, a slow go because I don't know about you, but, you know, some of our friends that have been away and are back, and that's been great. It's good to see you guys, and it's good to be back together. But also, it's been kind of, like, reckless with, like, Christmas being in the middle of the week and then New Year's in the middle of the week. It was like these last couple of weeks are just getting into the flow of things, and I feel like we're just about ready to, like, really go for it. So I didn't want to throw down, hey, we're going we're gonna to fast for 20 days. Let's go, January 1. Now that we're all, like, settled, I want us to start thinking about this idea. 
Because next Sunday, we're going to kick off um, what I am calling 20 days of prayer and fasting. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to fast one day per week. Um, you can fast all 20 days. Check with your doctor. That's, I don't advise it. It's kinda, that's kind of crazy. Um, but you could fast something for 20, for 20 days. And I think that it's important for us to do this as a, as a group. And 20 days on Sunday, 20 days after that, will be our Valentine's Day dinner that we'll celebrate together. And so 20 days in 2020, go for it. And, and I think what I want you to do, and why, the reason I'm teeing it up today, is I want to give you seven days to prayerfully be thinking and praying about this. And, and really say, okay, God, what is it that you want to do in my life over those 20 days? What is it you want me to, want to do in our life as a church over those 20 days? We're going to write soul workouts every day. You'll, those will be available to you. Um, I'm going to challenge you to create something, a routine in your life of getting together with God every day if you don't do that. I'm going to challenge you, for those of you that can, to get out here to the warehouse anytime during the day. But starting at 6.30 in the morning, we're going to have music playing in here. We'll have a soul workout on the screen. You can come here and you can pray and we can be together um, for those that are able to do that. I know that some of you are like, hey, I drive. I, have, I go downtown for work. I'm, I'm glad. That's good. You need to do that. But some of you... Um, are going to break routine and going to get here. Some of you who are available during that time are going to get here. And I really believe that God's going to do some awesome things. And so as we look into and we dive into this season of prayer and fasting, where we really want to see what God will do in our, our hearts, I want us to look at a passage in Scripture from Matthew 21. In Matthew 21, what happens is that Jesus makes a scene. And um, I want us to read that together. And before we do, I am going to pray. So Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for Matthew, Matthew 21, that we're able to unpack this just a little bit. Lord, I pray right now that as we dive in, that our hearts would be open, that our minds would be open, that you would free us from the things that are distracting us right now, God, and that we would walk out change. Holy Spirit, do your work because you are our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. So Matthew 21, if you have your Bible, um, I'm going to read uh, verse 12. And it simply says this, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. So we're picking up, if you guys didn't catch on, if you guys haven't been to church in a long time, we're, we're kind of picking up at a point in Jesus' ministry that's towards the end of his earthly ministry. This is the week that he heads into the, the crucifixion, the cross, the resurrection, all of that is going to happen very, very soon. And he goes to Jerusalem, and there's been this, it seems like there's this crescendo or a culmination of his ministry happening because he's going into Jerusalem, and all of these healings have happened. All these miracles have happened. These people have been raised from the dead. The people have been, th that were lame are walking. People that were blind are seeing. This is amazing stuff, and Jesus is turning the world upside down, and people are all over, they're just nuts for him. And then he goes into the temple, and what does he do? He says, things are not okay. I'm going, to, I'm going to drive out anybody that's buying and selling there, and I'm going to kick over the tables of the money changers. And then, in verse 13, what does he do? He says, hey, what I think, no, he says, it is written. My house will be, a call, will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. What does Jesus do when he is upset 
seemingly upset about what's happening in the temple is he doesn't throw down, he throws down God's word. And he quotes directly from Isaiah 56, verse 7. And I want to read, if you have your Bible, you can skip over there to um, Isaiah 56. But I'm going to read verse 6 as well. And this is what it says because it applies, right? And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain. Who wants to go to his holy mountain? I want to go there. I will bring them to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. So Jesus quotes Isaiah 56, and he also quotes from Jeremiah. That's the, the um, den of robbers part. We're not going to focus on that as much, but we see that there is something not okay with Jesus. I mean, everything seemed to be rosy until he walks in and makes a scene in the middle of the temple. And what do we see him do? He comes into the, it just, I love how, I mean, I love how Jesus just throws down. Because if you look at it, it doesn't say Jesus asked for permission. Jesus checked at the door, make sure everything's cool. Jesus let everyone know, hey, I'm, I'm coming over later today. He just, it just says, Jesus enters the temple. He just enters the temple. And what's the first thing he does? He drives people out and he starts kicking over <laughs> tables. And he's upset. And you got to ask the question. As, and by the way, just so we're clear, I broke one, one table today already in first service, which was awesome, is that Jesus, just so we're clear, Jesus doesn't say, hey, I see what you're doing. What you're doing is you're, you're, you're buying and selling pigeons for a high price. You're, you're, you're gouging people and forcing them that, hey, if you want to sacrifice, then you're going to have to buy your animals here. You're going to have to do it here. And, oh, by the way, you're, you're, they're, they're um, basically changing money over. And what that means is that some people showed up, and they were from a different country. So they're like, hey, you know what? I've got drachmas. I need something, for, like, I need something else. And so they would change that over. But they would make money on that exchange. But also, hey, if you were like in the city and you were using your money out there to buy like, you know, food for the night, guess what? Your money's no good here because it's dirty. It's not holy. You need temple money. It's a clean money. It's a sacred money. So we need you to exchange that. And so now we're going to make money on that. So we're going to overprice the pigeons and we're going to make sure that you have to pay money over and over again. And they're exploiting their own people. So when Jesus comes in, I just want to be clear. This is not Jesus. Guess what, guys? I'm gonna need I'm gonna need you to leave right now, and this is this is this is not okay. We're just gonna sit over the table, okay? Um, and then yeah, all of you need to go. And um, there's another table you need to like turn over. He doesn't do that, right? Does anybody read that? I mean, it's not really like said. I, there's no caps like on the clipboard. It's not there. But he's got to be throwing that. Sorry, we just really kind of met, and I didn't mean to hurt you, but you're good, right? You're good. This is the poncho section, all right? He throws down, and he kicks over a table, and he kicks people out of the temple. 
And so, as I was, this is the question you have to ask, is this. And what I asked God, and as I was thinking about this and praying through this passage, I said, God, why, why? Why were you seemingly so upset? What is it that would cause you to walk into this temple, which you've been to before, and he was upset at the beginning of his ministry a little bit, but he really threw, threw down that day. Why, why would you create a scene? And, 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 you know, I don't know, but here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, let's imagine that you were there that day. And you're like, man, I love this Jesus guy. Like, he's raising people from the dead, and he's healing people. Like, he's talking about kindness and love, and I was on board, man, at the woman the, at the well. That was cool. Like, everything that's happening, this is so good. But that's not okay. How many of you have been like, Jesus is losing it, so I'm going to go over here until he's done, and then maybe we'll reconnect later. Some of you are like, you know what? I'd have been like, let's, where are all the more tables? Let's, let's go. Some of you might have been like that. But the question is this. Why? Why are you so upset? Here's why I think. Because Jesus knows the power of prayer. He no understands the power of prayer and he understands us. So all of the, the fears that you have, all the things that you're, 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 you're afraid about, you're like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. You can't quite figure it out. And you're just trying to manage it. Pack those, you know, those fears down. Don't pay attention to them. No big deal. I, I can deal with those later. You know, all the, the anxiety that you have about the future or about today or about whatever it is that you have. And you're like, man, I don't know if I can do this. There you go. You have a confidence issue, all of your confidence issues that you have. Like, oh, you know what? I spent eight weeks, guys, trying to tell you that God wants to change you, change the world through you. And some of, some of us are still going like, you know what? I don't know, man. I don't know. Is Jesus really on my side? No one's really here for me. Um, I'm kind of by myself. And life is happening to me. I'm the victim. Like, you play the victim really, really well. Or you're, you're just light depression, like constantly, you're just a, a low grade all the time. Like you just feel like kind of down all the time. And you're trying to manage all of these emotions, whether it's one or all of them, and you're trying to do it on your own. And what Jesus knows is that the way that you process, the way that you power through that is not by welling up inside and saying, I got this, I can do this, I can just have more willpower to make it happen. He knows that it's prayer that is where the power is, and it's in the presence of the Father that you begin to understand who you are in Christ and what it is that you need to do and how you can be, take some sort of confidence from knowing that you are known by the Father. Like if you don't spend time in prayer, Jesus knows, hey, listen, my house is not, for a, is not a place where you can exploit my people, your own people, your fellow brother and sister. No, guess what? This is a place that's for prayer. Why? Because prayer is powerful. Prayer is a priority. Jesus didn't say, oh, you know what, it's a little cold out today. I don't think we're going to go to the temple. He didn't complain about the weather. He didn't complain about what he did or didn't have to eat that day. He didn't complain about his outfit not matching. He got into church, and he said, guess what? This is not the way it's supposed to be. It's been too long. It's over. And he flips the tables, and he kicks people out. And let me tell you this. If you're a follower of Jesus... 
you're with that guy. What do you do when you're in the store and the person you're with creates a scene? What do you do when the guy you've been following and dedicating your life for the past three years creates a scene? I think one of the things that I say, why is he so upset? Then you start to understand. He understands the power of prayer. He understands that as we are beginning to say, okay, this is a season for us, we need to understand that why is this important for us is because it was important to Jesus. It was important to Jesus that this get re-centered in people's lives. That this is not a place, the temple is not a place to sell things that are going to be overpriced and to force people to basically take their money. This was a thing for Jesus to say, my house is a house of prayer. It's interesting because he understands that this, this phrase, that prayer shapes our soul. Prayer shapes our soul. And so does a lot of negative stuff. A lot of the culture in the world, they're not going to drive you into the presence of God. They're going to drive you into the presence of yourself and how you can do it if you just try harder. And that you can have the right diet or the right mindset or right plan. But I'm telling you right now, Jesus said, forget the mindset. You get the mindset when you get your heart set. And when your soul is with God in prayer is where you get recalibrated for how you do life. Is anybody still awake? Do I need to kick the table over again? Right then and there, when that happened, I want you to feel what that is like. When the table gets flipped, man, does that feel like something intense is happening. He knew that prayer shapes the soul. He knew that if if his people could get back to be in the presence of the Father, that there would be hope for them to be able to move through as he left but he sent the Spirit. He knew that that was so, so important. So as we're thinking about this, as we're thinking about, man, why is he so upset? I think we see a few things. We see a few things. Application number one. Why do you go to church? Man, I I just love that second place vibe yeah, there's like community there and people seem nice. I don't know yet. I'm still checking it out. Or, I, man, I found a place to belong. Like the people, like the community. I, I don't know how. I, I've been away for a few weeks and I've missed it. You know, I want to get back. But I found a place that feels genuine. They ain't perfect, but they're, they're genuine. Is community important? Let's try that again. Is community important? Absolutely it is. But if that's the reason why you come to church, let me tell you, check yourself and flip that table. Community is important. Man, I love the music at second place. It's so, I don't know what accent or what voice this is. I sure hope they do a new song today. I hope that the subwoofers are loud. I don't know what you guys say. Who says that? Nobody. And we are doing a new song, by the way. Um, Is worship important? Music important? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If it's the reason why you come here, check yourself and kick the table over. 
you know what? Joe's messages are the best I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> once in a while, I go and Joe has something good to say. And, and it, I don't know, probably. Okay, so if you're coming here for the messages, kick that table over and check yourself. Why do you come to church? Is the teaching of the word important? Yes. Community important? Yes. Is music important? Yes. All of those things were happening in the temple. All of those things were happening. But Jesus was saying, hey, I get it, but especially when you're exploiting the people of God, we are not about that here. My house is a house of prayer first and foremost, so ask yourself, why do you go to church? If you come to the warehouse, here's what I want you to do. Is start to ask God to show you why you're here and what he wants to show you while you're here. Because getting into the presence of God is what we do here. When the band comes up in a few minutes, the presence of God, we're going to be able to sense things in our heart. And it's a supernatural thing that happens. And when you get into the presence of God, the Father will begin to help you see you as you are with him. And I love it. There's a, in our residency program that we do at, at Second Place, we are in a, a book and we're studying about the soul. And in that, they talk about the fact there's some research that says that actually Christians filter their behavior differently than non-Christians. And it's just a fact because they did like brain scan things and like saw activity and all that stuff when they talked through their behavior. And so what a, a non-Christian, non-follower does, like, hey, you know what? I did this and so I did it, you know? And I mean, probably not the best choice I ever did, but, you know, I did it. And it's kind of like all kind of in the same bucket. It's like, yeah, that was a good move. That was a bad move. Eh, you know, that's just me. But a, a follower of Christ has a different filter. And so what we do actually is we use a different part of our brain that begins to ask ourselves the question, was that like Jesus? Did that seem to be like a thing that got me closer to God or further away? And what's interesting is that there's just such a difference between the two. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus knew and he knows that when we get in the presence of God and we pray and we allow God to shape our soul through it, we begin to see ourselves differently. And so some of us are like, you know what? I am, uh, I am so broken. I am so desperate. I am bankrupt. I got nothing. I am worthless. How could God ever love me? And then you have other people like, you know what? I can do whatever I want because Jesus loves me. And I don't, you know, even if I do whatever I want, he's still going to got my back. It's all good. And I'm telling you, something in between is probably more accurate. And what you do is when you get in the presence of God, what you realize is like, you know what? You're not as bankrupt as you thought. You're not as broken as you thought. And you, know, you kind of see that maybe there is a lot more that God believes in you than you believe about yourself. But then you come over here and you're like, guess what? Maybe God is saying that maybe I shouldn't do everything that I want. Maybe what he has for me is that he loves me and he wants me to adjust to come in line with a little bit of what his spirit is speaking to me. And the only way you can hear that is if you're with him. Fair? He understood that prayer shapes your soul, and he understands that there are reasons why you go to church, and then there's the reason why. Prayer is powerful. And another way to say it is that don't use the wrong thing for the wrong thing. Anybody eat spaghetti this week? Anybody have spaghetti? Where are my Italian folks in the room? All right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Did you use a comb to eat your spaghetti? You know? Pull a comb out of the drawer. I mean, it's got all the grooves in it. Make it easy. Right into your muzzle. No big deal. No? 
Why? It's like no one does that. You're using the wrong thing for the wrong thing. I think, I think Jesus says, why are you using a hammer to crack open an egg? Why are you eating your spaghetti with a comb? This doesn't make any sense. And he flips the tables. Don't use the wrong thing for the wrong thing. Here the people that are claiming to be the people of God are in the temple and saying, this is what the temple's for. And Jesus has a completely different opinion of it. And he says, guess what? You're wrong. This is not what it's for. My house is a house of prayer. How could two people have such a different view on the same thing? So that's application number one, right? Church, why do you go? Application number two. What we learned last week in the last couple of weeks is that um, the temple is the place where heaven meets earth. It's designed that way. That that's where God would inhabit, and there would be you know high priests that would be like conducting their 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 duties in there, and there would be all this all this amazing stuff that would happen. Heaven would meet earth in the temple. And what did we learn from Pastor Phil last week is that we now are the temple of God. So where does heaven meet earth? Meet earth? Heaven meets earth in us. So application number two is a little more personal. If you um, were to allow Jesus into your temple today and he were to look around a little bit, um, what table would he kick over? What, um, what would he kick out of your, of your heart? See, in a way, um, if you think about it, it's almost like the enemy in Jesus' day, the enemy, for sure an attitude that was sparked by the enemy, had infiltrated the church, infiltrated the temple, and everybody was turning the other way, the other cheek and saying, you know what, this is just the way they do it. We overpay for the dove and we, we, we lose money on the exchange. And for some of us, in the same way that the enemy has camped out in the temple, the enemy has camped out in your heart. And you've kind of looked the other way. And you've kind of said, you know what, it's just the way that I do it. It's just been a part of me this whole time. And the reality is, is that you know that Jesus, with you, would love to kick over a few tables in your heart. He, with you, would love to kick out a few people or attitudes or other things. And so as you move into this new year still, and you're, you're kind of like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to win this year, man. I want you to win this year. And I know that the best way for you to win is going to be in prayer and fasting as a community because there's some issues that need to be team tackled let me say that again some issues need to be team tackled if you could have knocked out that giant by yourself you probably would have by now but there's something that happens jesus said it we might even look at it in this series that there are some things that only happen when prayer and fasting are involved you know he said that right some things that only break when prayer and fasting is involved. And when we do that together, we're going to team tackle those issues and see some breakthroughs. I don't know if anybody else is excited, but I am. Because what we need to do is we need to clean the house. We need to clean the house. That's what Jesus was doing. He was cleaning up the house. There was light walking into darkness. He was walking into what was being misused, the wrong thing for the wrong thing. And so some of us, 
some of us, what we need to do is we need to clean up a little bit. We need to clean the house a little bit. And so that means that maybe it's your attitude you need to clean up. Maybe it's your language. Maybe it's just, I don't know, th there's some stuff you need to clean up in your life. And you're like, you're thinking of stuff right now. You're thinking of stuff. Hopefully not like a long list, all right? I'm praying for you, all right? Just Some of you need to just declutter. Like, let's go HGTV for a second. Like, we just need to declutter, right? Because your, your, your life is a mess. You've got so much going on. You don't even know where you're supposed to be tomorrow. It's MLK Day. Maybe you got the day off. You forgot just now. Whatever. I mean, these things, your life is going nuts. And so what I'm saying is like, man, it's time for you to declutter. And some of you need to destroy some stuff. Some of you need, you know what, this has served me like garbage all my life. I need to kick this thing out of my life and destroy it. I need to get rid of it. I need to find out what God really wants to do in my house. And I got to stop allowing the enemy to fool me into thinking like it's okay that he's here. Man, I feel like that is what some of us need to do. All of us need to do. I mean, there are areas in my life that I need to do that same thing. Is anybody still with me? The band can come up. And we're going to take some time. We're going to do a couple of songs. And these songs are intended to help us spend a little bit of time with God and allow the power of God and to turn this place into a house of prayer. And some of you are like so afraid. So I don't even know, like just don't unsure about what that looks like. Here's what it looks like. You and God just getting alone for a few minutes and worshiping him and allowing him to do in your heart what you, only he can do. You've been trying forever to try it on your own. You've been trying to look at other people. You've been trying to find it in things. But the only thing that's really going to get you to where you need to be is prayer in the presence of God. And, and I, I think what's cool is, I don't know, like every like hokey um, like Bible movie that I've ever seen and shows this scene, it's always like Jesus like upset and he's kicking over the tables and all that stuff. But I love what verse 14 says. I see this as literally the power of God flowing through him. And he gets to the temple and he sees what's going on and he's like, no. And right after that, right after, after that, what does 14 say? Verse 14, it says, The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. It was a continuation of the power of God. This is something where he is cleaning house, and he's healing people in the temple. And then what happens? There's people who doubt. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. And they say this. Do you hear what these children are saying? Like, this is wrong, Jesus. They're calling you the son of David. This is not okay. And Jesus says yes, and he gets sarcastic. And he says, have you never read? He's talking to the teachers of the law. He says, have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? I love it when babies cry. Not like cry, cry, cry. But like sometimes, like we had a baby talking in first service. I loved it. Right through worship, that baby was just talking. And I was like, man, what if that little baby's just like, I feel it. I feel it. 
You don't know. You don't know. I, I could be right. And what does Jesus do when he gets the opposition? And he has, we're going to talk a lot about opposition, man. Stick around. But when he gets the opposition and people are like, you're wrong. You're wrong. You, you, you should not let these kids do that. He quotes the word of God. What happens when he gets upset? That's why it's, he, he doesn't, he's angry but doesn't sit. He quotes the word of God. My house will be a house of prayer. You guys have misused it. Wrong thing for the wrong thing. And so I, I, I know that it's not the power of man. It's the power of God that's going to allow us to do some things and allow God to do some things in us. And so as we stand, um, I just want to pray that this next few minutes, and I've been so excited. That means you can stand. You guys can stand. Um, I've been so, like, excited because there's freedom, and I declare there's freedom in the house today. And that means that if you want to come up here, we had several come up in the first service, come up into this area, awesome. If you want to find a spot on the sides and, and just pray and just kneel or, or sit or just ask God to just focus, just you and him, that's awesome. There's freedom to do that today. This warehouse, all these chairs move, as we found out, right? And so everything moves. And so you don't, don't feel constrained today. Don't feel like there's no freedom today. Don't feel like you have to do it a certain way today. Just focus on God and the presence of God and of getting into the heart of God. Heavenly Father, we pray right now, Lord God, and I, I just love that my friends are here, God, and we're trying to just understand, Lord, why were you so upset in the temple? And Lord, you declared that you, you wanted and you, that your house would be a house of prayer. So, Lord, as we move into a time where we're going to declare some things about you, Lord, we pray, God, that you would fill our hearts. Break the distractions that we brought in today, God, in Jesus' name. Allow the fear, depression, anxiety, confidence issues, all of that to be placed at your feet today. And, Lord, may the presence of God and the power of God in the presence of God change us this morning. Lord, that's our cry today, in Jesus' name. So today I'm not sure where you're at, and, and maybe you are one of those people that is like, man, I, I, I love G Jesus, like all the fun, all the good things that he did, and, and you're, you're walking into the temple back then, and you're like, man, this is amazing, I'm with this guy, and then he does what he does, and you're like, what happened to the Jesus I knew? Maybe you're a person that's like, man, I love the kindness and the love that Jesus has been sharing with all the people. And as you walk into the temple, you're like, man, this guy, he brings everyone together. It's so good. And then he does what he does. And you're like, whoa, this is not what I expected. Or maybe you're somebody that, that is like, man, I just love making sure that everything goes exactly the way I need it to go. And, and, and man, Jesus seems like he's in control of everything. So let's just go with that guy. And then he does that. And he loses control. Maybe you're like a person that's like, God, I have everything perfectly in line all your ducks in a row, and as you get there and you're like, man, this guy, he's doing things like he's a little out, out, out of the ordinary, a little unorthodox, but I can stick with this guy, and then he does what he does, you're like, oh, you're upsetting my world, this is not okay, I don't know where you're at, but I feel like the best illustration that I can give you as you leave is this, have you ever done a brake torque? Right, if you don't know what a brake torque is, you press the brake to the floor, and you give it all the gas you can, and what happens? You know, you're starting to just peel out, right? And there's like smoke sometimes. You've got a really cool car. Like you've got a lot of torque. You might like swerve a little bit, but you're going nowhere, right? And so sometimes that's what we're doing with our faith. We're brake torquing our faith. And what we're saying is like, 
Hold on a second. Yes, I'm at second place. This is good. I feel the presence of God. I feel him calling me, and you're pressing the gas down, but you're holding on to the brake. You're like, let's go, Jesus. Maybe not. Let's go. I'm not sure. And I'm telling you right now, this is a season. I'm giving you a week like to pray through this, that this is the season to take your foot off the brake. If I really was to say to you what I really want to say to you, is that okay? Is stop waiting. You're trying to figure out life without Jesus in your life in a way that is really powerful. And the way that you get there is not by listening to me. It's not by asking your friends. It's not by the latest book or the right diet or the good mindset. It's about getting into the presence of God, prioritizing prayer and saying, Father, show me who I am in you. Fire me up. Let's go. I'm pushing this gas down, and I want to see where you take me. This is a dangerous pursuit. And that's what we're doing. It's a dangerous pursuit because if you follow Jesus into the temple, you got to be okay with whatever goes down because you're with that guy, and he's kind, and he's gentle, but he's also ready to go. Now, just going to see, like, what the Holy Spirit is doing and make it a little bit real for a second. So as I've been talking, some of you are like, you know what, I know exactly, exactly what God's dealing with my heart on, exactly. I know what's on that table, and I know that I need to flip it. So, we've got a couple minutes, just a minute, just to check in, just check in real quick. Maybe you are like, you know what, I'm f- I-, I know what it is. This is not a walk of shame, this is like freedom, man. And you wanna come up and flip this table. And it's just a little, it's just a little thing. But I'm gonna tell you right now, flipping this table takes nothing. But when you go home, you try to flip the table in your heart, you can do it with Jesus' help. But maybe somebody here is just like, I'm just ready, man. Like I'm just ready. I saw Joe kick that table over. I want to kick it over. Does anybody want to do it? It's right here. Here it is. You can kick it over right now. Anybody? Anybody you're like, I know what it is, I'm gonna flip that table. It's right here. Super easy. No one's flipping the table? Oh, oh, well, just when I thought, maybe no. I'm going to get out of the way. There you go. All right. That was kind of violent. I like it. Is that anybody else? We have plenty of these tables, by the way. Thanksgiving offering, right? No, I'm just kidding. Anybody else want to flip a table? It's just your thing, man. Just like what you want to do. You got it. You know what you're doing. Okay. All right. She she knows it. Yeah, let's go. Give her, give it up. It's called freedom, people. It's It's just like, it's an outward sign. You're like, oh, why is Joe doing this? Because sometimes it's just a silly thing like flipping a table. Like, what are hurting, man? Flip that table. You ready? Go, man. I see it in your face. Let's go. I'm afraid. What's going to happen? Yes, there you go. Doesn't it feel good? Oh. So when people tell you, ask you, what did you do at church today? Some of you are going to say, I flipped the table. (laughs) Last call. It's right here. Okay. 
Man, you guys are just right at the beginning. I was about to say, okay, we're done. Let's go, Rhiannon. Come on now. All right. Good deal. Well, some of you, um, are going to be like, man, I wish I would have flipped the table. I wish I would have flipped the table. I know there are some people in first service that were like, oh, I wasn't right. I didn't do it. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, God, for just, I don't know, just letting it loose a little bit sometimes and just allowing you to speak to our hearts. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our heart, Lord God. Because you're moving in us and you're starting to, to really awaken us to something that is powerful in us. Lord, allow us, Lord God, these next few moments this week to, to really prayerfully dive in and, and ask God, what do we really need from you? Lord, you spoke to it, Lord God. My house will be a house of prayer. Lord, may we make that our cry this week. Lord, prepare our hearts for, and, and, and continue to do this work in our hearts this season. God, allow us to see something amazing happen in our lives. Lord, let, we pray for breakthrough and chains to be broken, Lord God, in this season. Lord, we want to win this year, but it doesn't mean anything if we're not with you. So God, that's exactly what we're going to pray for. That's exactly what we're going to pursue. It's dangerous, but we're going to do it. Help us to be light in dark places this week. Lord, to pray with someone, to encourage someone, Lord God to lead someone to you, Lord God. Whatever it is that you put before us, Lord, may we knock it out of the park this week. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you very soon.